Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. Appreciate you dialing in. Got a good number of people that are interested in this topic. We got a lot of feedback telling us, hey, well, this the innovation thing, there's certainly a lot of need for innovation. And that's what we're talking about again this week. And we're going to be doing that throughout the month of July. So got a good number of guests and some really exciting news coming up. The last broadcast, uh, we've got a surprise guest coming on. We'll be announcing and talking about correspondent lending and how it's being reinvented and uh, some real neat innovation going on there. We'll tell you all about that when we get a chance. And uh, But it's good to have you with us here with us on the broadcast and sure to tell others about it. Again, it's July 13th. We say that to those that are downloaded and listening to this broadcast. We have as our special uh, topic, again, innovation, and our special guest is Tony Garitano. Many consider one of the most informed guys of what's going on with innovation, at least in the overall, generally speaking, but definitely in the technology sector. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Award, the Innovation Award. Thank you, Tony Garitano. Appreciate that so much. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. Again, United Guarantee has been here for the second, third year, second, third year in a row. They are the number one MI leader in the industry for the fourth consecutive year, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. I want to call the attention again to the full file underwriting from United Guarantee that delivers certainty to you for what you, when you're, you know, from delivers the certainty you're looking for from a mortgage insurer. Submitting a loan to United Guarantee for a full file review means you have rescission protection from the date of closing until you provide accurate and um, and provide accurate and required loan information. In other words, you're protected in there. And they really have a whole lot of services that are reformed around or designed around keeping you, the lender, in, with the best options possible. Again, United Guarantees full file review never has additional costs. They provide 24-hour turnaround. That's amazing. And the most experienced MI underwriting staff in the industry. Plus, United Guarantees a unique consultative approach to underwriting means you get a real person on the phone when you need real answers and they help you work through those. So it's a great resource. Check it out at www.ugcorp.com forward slash day one mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. Also, a special thank you to Velma, virtual electronic marketing assistant. Velma.com. Check them out. They do a great job. Set it and forget it, or they get involved. You can do the set it and forget it campaigns. That's a great feature. Or you can do what I do, and that's a lot of interactiveness with them. They're great. You have the national MBA conference that's starting to mail should be appearing in your mailbox if you've ever signed up for one of those conferences and I encourage you to be there. Lots of user conferences. I'll be talking about that next week. Um, Joe Farr, good to have you with us today. Man, interesting. I heard something, Joe, that just cracked me up. They said that was What's the that? Greek prime minister said that we have come to a new agreement 
and I go, that's a great play in words. New agreement. <laughs> so anyway, go. good to have you with us, Joe. What's happening in the markets? I got your screen up here. It looks like we've got yeah. some. Yeah. We've got it. We, we started out lower today. Uh, the the That agreement that you described <laughs> was uh, theoretically reached um, over the weekend, uh, at least at a very high level. There's still a lot to be done, but this morning – MBS prices opened a good bit lower, and they've since recovered all that. Potentially, that's due to the fact that there is just so much more yet to be done on the on the agreement to actually yeah. fund the the additional lending to Greece. The uh, and you know it's it's been pretty much this way for how long now? I mean, uh, <laughs> over the weekend, the the you know. The lenders basically forced Greece to accept their terms, and uh, and in order for the deal to be finalized, the Greek Parliament's going to have to uh, vote on several things that are going to be required of them to implement uh, very quickly in the process. Some of the some of the requirements forced on them by the banks, um, and then subsequent to that, there will be a number of other uh, parliaments that will need to approve the deal throughout Europe. So. Even though they say a deal's been reached, I, I, I wouldn't say it's out of the out of the realm of of you know being possible that it won't happen. The uh, yeah. uh, with all that has to be done, and that's why we've seen today, after starting lower by about a quarter of a point, we're back to where we ended the day on Friday. So, uh, and uh, stocks have have done as you would expect, given the the deal being done. The Dow was up 200 points earlier. It's off of that a little bit, not much. Um, yeah, and, and we've seen a nice little rally in the stock market early last week. Stocks had fallen. The Dow had fallen to just about 17.5, and now we're very close to 18,000. So uh, we've seen a nice turnaround there. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. So uh, last week was a very volatile week. I, uh, you know, if, if you were paying attention, you probably received uh, favorable or unfavorable price changes just about every day. And in some days you received both, uh, just indicating how the market's been reacting to the news out of Greece and, and also uh, the news out of uh, China. The, uh, the growth rate in China has been slowing, and recently we've all heard about the drop in the, the Chinese stock market, and there's yes. great concern that, that that decline in worth that so many people had accumulated is going to slow growth even further. And China's got the second largest economy in the world, and given that, any slowdown in that economy, even though it's still a, a fairly rapid pace compared to most of the other places in the world, is going to be felt. So. We're feeling it somewhat in, uh, in in our area. The U.S. economic data that came out last week, Dave, was really not. It took a back a backseat to all this other stuff. The ISM Services Index came in pretty much as expected. The JOLTS report did show a little further improvement in the job openings level, uh, and that happens to be at the highest level since they since they started doing this survey. Uh, but really didn't have much of a market movement event because the uh, growth was small and many of the other measures were, were virtually unchanged. The minutes of the Fed meeting from uh, June 17th were released during the week last week. Uh, there, too, again, were very few surprises and not a lot of market reaction to it. 
uh, it, it did uh, uh, indicate a little slightly more dovish tone among the Fed members, and uh, that was in uh, before some of this Chinese data came out. So given that data and, and given the situation in Greece still not being resolved, I think the market perceived that the, the dovish comments and the current events were enough to maybe push out uh, uh, in, later in to 2015, the first Fed funds rate hike. So uh, that was that did cause a little bit of a rally in MBS prices last week. But a- after all the movement last week, there was uh, almost yeah. a, a, a no change in MBS prices by the end of the week. It's really interesting. It, 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 yeah. To, to see all the dynamics that went on last week with Chinese markets and then Greek. I mean, do you really think that we're going to see as we look forward to the week this week, or we're going to still continue to see and um, was Greek deal to be determined. They have they they have a parliament meeting on Wednesday to devote to see if they right. pass. If they don't, then they're trouble. But I mean, what's your what's your thoughts about the overhang of this? Is it going to be again foreign dominant for what the week ahead? Uh, yeah, you know, it could. We do have some pretty important economic data coming out of the U.S., but uh, I don't see this Greek thing being anything but additional headlines day in and day out this week. And, and you know, that has been enough to cause significant volatility. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, what else do we have on the calendar this week? Got some well, it, retail, uh, retail sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes out tomorrow. That's a very important report. Uh, PPI on Wednesday, along with industrial production. Thursday's jobless claims, Philly Fed and the Beige Book, and then Friday's CPI and housing starts. Uh, Janet Yellen is going to be doing her semi-annual testimony in front of uh, Congress Thursday. Let's see, is it Thursday and Friday? Uh, yeah. Then, and, uh, you know, that could have some influence on mortgage rates. Uh, usually it's a pretty long, dry uh, <laughs> yeah. a couple of hours each day but <laughs> someone that only uh someone who runs mbs quote line could appreciate <laughs> one person wrote they said i'd rather listen to joe's commentary than janet yelling dribbling on them uh, with their drive about what's going on so anyway that's hilarious that's good it's fun to get the feedback as we're doing this and if you guys want to email me d- email me at uh Licken at mbs-team.com it's it's really fun to get your commentary as it's happening or text me get a lot of text so that was hilarious thank you that you know who said it so i mean i know who said it so i'm commenting back so good stuff joe so you thank think you. at this point you know the the overall trend is still an upward pressure on mortgage rates i mean overall even though there's some dovish tones or do you think you know what's happening is you know like you say is that wishful yeah. thinking, hopeful thinking, or well, do you think well, we might see that? I know you don't prognosticate, and you hate it when I put you in that no, place. But, but, but I, I don't think you can you can consider reactions to headlines a trend. And, and so that's right. You know, if if Greece gets resolved and, and that's taken off the off the plate of uncertainties, and if China, um, uh, if their path on economic activity uh, becomes clear. I, you know, I think that we'll be back to relying on uh, how much U.S. economic data is going to influence inflation and how much it's going to yep. influence the Fed. And yep. Uh, I do so expect I think, continued volatility. 
Yeah, volatility and still upward pressure overall. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. So, well, it's valuable stuff. Appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us each and every week. And then, of course, uh, I sit here with your website open and looking at the markets ticking up, folks. You got to have it. There's a lot of other services out there that do this kind of thing, but nothing is quite as clear, concise, and to the point. You know, you want to become an analyst or you just want to make a decision and run your business. I think you need, I think the latter is the goal here, isn't it? If so, check out this message of how you too can get signed up for this service. We'll be bright back after this brief message. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoline, you'll never be out of touch with the market. Whether you're in the office or on the road, see for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. mbsquoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us. Several people have commented. So I didn't mean to kill the music like that, but uh, the, the uh, several people commented that I sound different. Well, we're using a new service. They've got a new hi-fi digital service uh, where you can dial in. So we're dialing in through that, and hopefully it sounds better to you all out there. But someone that I always like hearing to, and I think sounds great, is Paul Mala. We always love having him on the broadcast, and uh, it's good to have you here, Paul. I'm in your website, another great resource, www.imfnews.com. If you're not signed up for it, listeners, be sure to do so. Let's take a look. Jumbo MBS tumbles almost 33% in the second quarter. Big headline right up there that Brandon headed off with. What the heck? Well, uh, what can we say? Uh, you know, there was some change in some reporting requirements on uh, Jumbo MBS, and, and Chase actually came out with a deal late last week, which was one of the first changes. You know, we're not sure why uh, exactly why Jumbo MBS uh, issuance tumbled. It, it could start picking up again. I mean, the bottom line is, look, a lot of lenders continue to make Jumbos. They, they love the product. The banks put it in portfolio, and right now it's still a toss-up on the economics. Is, is it better to securitize or, you know, you know, do the old carry trade on, on jumbos. And so, you know, that has been the continued story of the jumbo market the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see what happens. There's there's plenty of interest in, in the securitization business, but, you know, it's just one of those things we're going to continue to yep. watch and, you know, see how it plays out. But listen, I mean, again, lenders love love jumbo loans. What What is there not to like <laughs> unless you're making zero down payment jumbos to people with bad credit and no one in their right mind is doing that. So. Uh, the other well, this, uh, big story we had this morning that yeah. was well, sort of big, we you know we've been tracking all the executive changes at NationStar closely the last year or so, and, and there's been a lot of turmoil there, a lot of you know, uh, you might say a revolving door of executives. Uh, David um, uh, Hissy left uh, earlier in the spring, you know there's been a couple other top people leaving, uh, and you know the most recent one who uh, we believe is left is Chad Padden, uh, who is Executive Vice President of Originations. Uh, they didn't exactly confirm that to us. We heard Padden did leave, but they put out a press release this morning, uh, this morning naming 
uh, a new executive of, of origination. So, and then they also have a new compliance person who used to work at uh, one of the street firms. So, uh, the, the, what's going to be interesting to watch for Nation Star is how they do in that second quarter earnings. Uh, you know, I talked to a couple analysts who say that if they don't, you know, if they don't come close to, you know, meeting that earnings projection, it's going to be. Uh, you know, pretty ugly with the stock. So we'll we'll see what happens. So that's they probably won't report. Big news. My that guess is, is, yeah, my guess is they won't report till sometime in uh, August. Uh, they're not usually uh, as quick as as the mega banks. So, but it's obviously a stock that people are going to be watching really closely. So, uh, Freedom. Uh, George Brooks uh, in her interview, the head of Freedom, yeah. Stan Middleman, who loves that business. Uh, he's it looks like he's pretty uh, bullish about the second half on on VA lending. He's staffed up nicely. We've written about that before. Uh, they've added something like oh seven hundred eight hundred workers to uh, to do FHA uh, V lending over the past seven months. So uh, we have Carissa Chappelle did an update uh, on the GSE suits. Uh, Investors Unite had a, a call late last week. Uh, we quoted one attorney. Uh, Matt McGill, who basically says the government's not interested in, in settling the, ca- the the matter, and that's probably not surprising to anyone. Uh, but we just figured we we should update the uh, situation because those sweep cases are closely uh, watched by a lot of people. Uh, MIAC, which stands for Mortgage Industry Advisory Corp, they're well known in the servicing business for their analytics and hedging services. They've launched a new broker dealer affiliate, which is headed by Stephen Harris. The company wouldn't return our phone calls or emails, I should say, um, so we're not sure what the strategy is there. We'd, we'd like to do more on that story, but uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, uh, they'll talk to us about it. Uh, short takes, we got a couple items. Uh, Putnam is uh, now owns uh, 10.3% of all the source Asset Management Corp. Yeah, that's one of the many spinoffs of Aquin. I think there's three different Alta Source affiliates that are publicly traded. Uh, that's they're in the same boat as NationStar. If any of these companies don't deliver in the second quarter, it's going to be another lookout below on the stock price. Uh, we talked about the 10-year Treasury a little bit, and I know Joe touched on that. Uh, also, um, Arch uh, has got a risk index model, and they came out with uh, some new. Uh, numbers on their risk index, and they're they're basically warning about North Dakota and Texas. And I know, Dave, you're based in Texas. Yeah. I don't know what the home price situation is like in Texas, but everything's tied to oil as far as uh, North Dakota and Texas are, are concerned. Probably more so in North Dakota than Texas. North your North economy, so, yeah. a light more, a lot more diversified. And I don't know if you're hearing from lenders in your state if they're really worried about prices or not. But that's obviously on the mind. They're not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're they're really not. It, at least. In Austin, they're not. Parts of Dallas is diversified enough. I mean, Houston right, might true. take more of an impact. Now, it's interesting. I was born in North Dakota and now live in Texas. So, ah. I so was you're born covered by both crises. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's fascinating. But no, there's not as much worry here. Definitely North Dakota. I mean, that economy. Try to fly into Fargo and drive to any of the oil feed. You can't get a rental car up there. It's just really screwed up when I go to visit family. Wow. So um, that that they are very. That is a much more precarious situation. I think we're a bit more diversified down here. So, yeah, the, the ag sector will not cover the losses in North Dakota. So it'll be interesting. Good, good, good stuff. I tell you, I mean, Paul, you do such a great job with all this stuff and what you're covering here. I, I just don't know how people deal with that. And anytime you run a story that you uh, mentioned me in it or Chuck Klein, my business partner, it's, it, I tell you, I get emails. So you're widely read. I encourage our listeners to pay attention to it. 
Did we miss anything, or does that pretty much cover it? Uh, that's all the good stuff. Uh, there was a uh, Hamilton Group hired someone, uh, Nitin Dave is his name, N-I-T-I-N, Nitin Dave, uh, hmm. vice president in charge of servicing, and the only thing I think is interesting about that is that he worked at Fannie Mae for 25 years, and now he's working for a mortgage company down in Sunrise, Florida. So, um, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's, you know, summer's a little slow for news. It's pick, starting to pick up. Fourth of July was a little slow. But we're starting to see more stuff come out of the companies. And uh, obviously, second quarter earnings start this week, and we'll be watching that closely as well. It's always good to have you on, and appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day chasing all these stories down, Paul. Greet everyone there and all our Great. friends and folks. Sign up for www.imfnews.com. You'll be glad you did. Keeps you informed on what's happening. Thank you, Paul. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. Let's run over and talk to Alice Alvey. It's always fun to have Alice on here. She gives us the updates of what's, as the stomach turns, is her segment, I call it informally, <laughs> as the stomach turns, a regulatory update of what's happening, compliance and regulations. And if you're looking for someone for training, folks, uh, God tell you, Alice, and, and her e-learning system is really taking off and getting some traction. Very cool, Alice. Love what you're doing. What you got for us? Thank you, Dave. Well, you know, as everybody, I, I think I feel like every time I talk, I have to start with the word tread and where are we at with that, right? <laughs> so um, we do have that the comments had to be posted uh, by the 7th, uh, which was last Tuesday, so after our last show. So the update now is the MBA did post their comments. Um, you can go in and read those. I, I just wish they'd get those out sooner so the rest of us can go ditto, 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 right? If, if they would yes. get those out sooner, we can all kind of chime in and say, yes, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Now, the, the thing that was slightly different is MBA um, in their response is looking for us to try and make sure or CFTB to make sure that they uh, provide an, uh, an effective date of October 3rd, but with this grace period in there and then a formal implementation six months after that. Um, you know, we've got different groups chiming in. Can you make it January 1st? Uh, so I think they got enough feedback from the industry to certainly give us a date in the future. We, I am hoping we will know any day now. Um, I don't think they got that many comments that they can't get through them here in a short period of time and come up with a formal statement as to at least definitely giving us um, October 3rd and whether or not there'll be any framework around that to give us any leniency. You know, we'll listen to Paul Malo for that late breaking news, right, on uh, yep. where we end up. <laughs> uh, we he do have Senate hard. Bill 1711 that is designed to also try and track with that. Um, it was formally introduced, although we're still, as of this morning, didn't have any text on that uh, to see if that will track to also potentially give us an extension and a, a true safe harbor from any lawsuits. Um, I do want to give everybody a heads up on the consumer complaint database normalization proposal from the CFPB. You have until the end of August to give comments. You need to take this time now to go check to see if your company is listed in the published comments in the complaint database. This has been around now for a little over a week. When you start looking at the comments, uh, if I'm the compliance officer at a company, I mean, which I am at Indicom, but in terms of an active mortgage company that might have somebody who posts a comment, I, I, I've got a lot of concern right now is what I'm seeing getting posted and how it's being edited. So this normalization proposal will give you the opportunity to respond 
respond whether or not you're comfortable with the way these comments look. I have a problem with them. I don't think they're editing them well. They're editing out most of the numbers and personal information, but they're including a sub name. So let me give you a quick example. They could be complaining about a company, but then the subservicer might be named in the body of the complaint or vice versa. There could be a complaint that really belongs as a complaint to TransUnion or Experian, but they're naming the lender. Uh, so there's names that I think need to be reconciled better. They're not classifying problems correctly. Uh, you know, if I'm a lender, I want to know is something um, a servicing or an origination problem, and, and they're not being categorized like that. Uh, so there definitely needs to be better sorting, better categorizing, and better editing of the of the messages that are being posted. But folks, you got to get out there and find out who's complaining about your company. If you don't have any, look at what's there and come up with policies and procedures for responses and if you're even going to respond. Uh, so that's my heads up because you do have a little window here on this complaint database to be able to respond uh, with some comments on how it should be better structured. We're not going to necessarily be able to get rid of it unless we can see some real problems in the way CFPB is editing, but at least we can get it cleaned up a little bit. Um, so, Dave, I know we want to make sure we have plenty of time for Tony. I'm so glad we get yes. to talk about technology. Uh, so I'll just yes. leave it there. Those are my two hot buttons for today. Two good hot buttons. And you got some innovation going on with your e-learning system. And I think that's what one of the things I'm excited to kind of interject into that, Alice, because when we talk about innovation, it's not just technology. It's all the other things that are going on. So e-learning is a lot. So we'll hopefully get that in there as well. But, folks, we're going to be right back after this. Yeah, be good. Have good to talk to you. Good to have you on. And we're going to be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Yes, it, is, it will give you an, the edge. No question about it. So good to have Sam Garcia with us. We've got, uh, again, you have to check out MortgageDaily.com. You know, it's I like Paul what Paul does, and he's got some great stories. And I'll tell you, the one of the, there's a lot. He covers uh, Sam Garcia, Mortgage Daily, covers a lot of great stories as well. It's a good balance, and it like you have two eyes in your head to give you depth in the market, what's going on. Uh, this is the second eye that I've got in there, and I'm looking at it regularly for some of the things that he comes out with. And so, Sam, it's good to have you with us, my friend. Well, let's get into what some of the good stuff you're tracking. Hey, thanks for having me on again. And uh, uh, the most recent news would be the mortgage market index uh, for the weekend uh, last Thursday, which, of course, included July 4th holiday. Uh, the index was down 8%. Not bad, considering it was a holiday week. Um, the biggest loss was on ARM activity, which dra uh, dropped more than a fifth uh, from the previous week. Um, we did our mortgage employment index report, and uh, we estimate that uh, it mortgage employment for the whole industry, including people at banks and credit unions, was about 544,700 people as of the first quarter. And that's up from five, uh, I'm sorry, down from 577,800 at the end of last year. And what we saw as far as trends in that report were that Florida, Virginia, and Texas had the biggest losses, 
while at the same time, New Jersey, Wisconsin, and Illinois had the biggest gain. So kind of seeing a little bit of migration going north there for the mortgage industry. Um, real estate uh, delinquency on uh, at banks was reported at uh, down 11 basis points for the first quarter compared to three months earlier by the American Bankers Association, and that was on uh, home equity uh, loans. On home equity lines of credit, delinquency dropped six basis points. A little bit of good news there. Yeah. Now, yeah. But over at FHA, it was a little bit different story. Uh, we got the data for May, and it shows that delinquency of at least 30 days on FHA insurer loans, uh, including bankruptcies and foreclosures, soared 69 basis points uh, ah. from April to May to 12.31%. And again, that includes foreclosures and bankruptcy. So look, they've been doing pretty well, but that was a little bit of an uptick there. Um, yeah, that's encouraging. However, at, uh, at MGIC, they reported some monthly data, and both their delinquency rate and their, uh, their monthly business, new business, was the best it's been since at least 2009, and, and before mm. that probably because we only have data back to 2009. So some good results there for MGIC on a monthly basis. Um, this past week, uh, two financial institutions, uh, Premier Bank and Trailblazer Credit Union were shut down by uh, federal regulators and state regulators. Uh, and that brings the total uh, number of companies we've tracked this year that have either uh, mortgage-related companies that have either, either closed down or failed to 13. It's actually down quite a bit compared to some of the yeah. prior years. Uh, we're seeing continued improvement. One other thing uh, we covered here was uh, that uh, jumbo issuance, according to Fitch, uh, they put out a report that said it's on pace for the at least for what they rate uh, to hit 14 billion dollars this year, which would uh, be better both than what we did in 2014 and in 2013. So, prime jumbo yeah. issuance looking looking pretty brisk at least for the first half of the year. Yeah, interesting. It's a lot of stuff to track out there, and I appreciate that you have uh, been here for us and and continue to be here with all these kind of updates, folks. Check out what. Sam does at mortgagedaily.com. And I kid you not, you'll not be disappointed. The amount of data that's in here is the reports that he has, in addition to some great news stories, is just, uh, it's really, really good. Get a hold of Sam at samgarcia at mortgagedaily.com or give him a call at 214 521 1300. It's good to have you with us, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. You betcha all right let's say i remember saying you betcha that's my that's my north dakota roots yeah sure and so one time someone would say i was on fox and i was on with one of the guys there in fact he's now on the five and he goes did you just say you betcha and i go yeah i said it's my minnesota roots and he says sarah palin says that all the time it drives me nuts so anyway i got to chuck a lot of that the prophet doctor is on vacation and so we do not have him with us so we've got Tony Garitano coming up right after the break. Good to have you with us, everybody. Tell others about it. We'll be right back with Tony Garitano talking about innovation in the mortgage industry. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 
combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Good to have you back with us, everybody. Uh, we have as our special guest today, Tony Garitano, who is the founder of Progress in Lending. Now, Tony has a distinguished career in journalism and has been uh, was very involved in reporting on the technology area. And uh, he broke off from his previous employer a while back and started Progress in Lending. And I encourage you to check it out at his website, www.progressinlending.com. It's good to have you with us, Tony. Good to be here. How are you, Dave? Good. Normally, man, we've talked to you at different times when uh, you've been a regular on the broadcast. Can't wait to get you back on with one more regularity. I know you had to break away for a while, uh, but we always love your updates, and especially as we're doing the innovation in what's going on in the industry. It, it just seems so appropriate to have you be the one. As some, one guy wrote me, he says, Tony's the oracle of what's going on. At least he knows what's going on because of your network. And I think that's really some of the things you're doing in progress on lending. I, I, just before people, we get into the, a lot of the talking points. I don't want to waste a lot of time with this. It's not wasting, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But, you know, give us a little idea of what progress on lending is about. You, uh, if you could, what's your vision? What's your mission? Well, we started it five years ago. Um, and it's really about providing a network and a platform for people to discuss uh, technology innovation and industry innovation. It's really about uh, moving the mortgage industry forward, and we cover a lot of technology news, but also a lot of just lending news, you know, whereby companies are doing stuff a little bit out of the box that we think our readers can learn from and hopefully grow their business as a result. Well, uh, let's get into their discussion by starting with a definition of innovation. I think a lot of people go, I think we all assume innovation. Some people, when they hear the word innovation, think of technology. Some people think of business processes. Some people are going, what the heck is it? And so if you would provide your progress in lending Tony Garitano definition of innovation, appreciate it. Let's start there. You know, I think um, it's a good way to, a good place to start the conversation, but a lot of people think of innovation as this huge sweeping change and it's got to be this earth-shattering uh, thing. Ah, yeah. People see it, it, it just blows your mind away. But I think of it as just creating a better mousetrap. I think if there's got to be a really clear problem and you come out with a really clear solution that, that maybe even piggybacks off of something that was there before. But Innovation can be incremental, and I don't think it has to be something that, that blows you away each and every time. Well, uh, it, it, it's so good because people do think of the word innovation as some, wow, that's life-changing, like, like the Apple Watch. I mean, my daughter has one. My brother has one. You know, I don't think the price will ever come down, but I'm holding off a little bit for Gen 2 of that product. But that's one of those things where that is really cool. People have them. That, that's a while. But I think your, your point is really well taken. It's when it's those incremental things that take a step-by-step, 
to that next uh, you know, next level of performance or Im improvements, and that that's healthy. Would you say that the mortgage industry is innovative now, or is it stagnant? What, what's the condition or the state of innovation in our industry is another way, way of asking the question. Well, you know, I mean, I always wrestle with this question, Dave, because for me, it's kind of like two-pronged. I mean, I... I always feel like the mortgage industry should be innovating more uh, than it actually is. But so when I first think of the question, I think, you know, is the mortgage industry stagnant? Yeah, the mortgage industry is stagnant. It should be doing so much more. But then I think about it the other way, too, in that, you know, the mortgage industry is continually um, innovating in small increments and small steps. So innovation is alive and well it's probably not as robust as i would like it to be personally and as i have projected that it would be in the past <laughs> but the industry yeah. is always innovating so i think innovation yeah. is alive and well it's just as i said kind of when i defined innovation earlier it, it's small incremental steps towards um an end goal and it, it's not huge sweeping change well, let's get over to get Alice's thoughts and some of the questions from Alice. Alice? Well, and I would actually like to continue off of that one because, Tony, from my perspective, I mean, I, would you think, I, I, it feels like we can't be as innovative on new things because since really 2008 when we started to have to deal with the prospect of Dodd-Frank and then 2010 and 11, I mean, we've spent the last many years just playing catch up with new regulations and trying to understand where we have to be and then coming up with an innovation to try and solve where we have to be instead of trying to be able to be out of the box. I mean, do, do you think that's a component of it or is, is there more to it than that, that we, we, we're not looking outside of our box as much as we should? You know, I think the mortgage industry too often, um, I guess, uh, holds near and dear to its heart the existing mortgage process that has been around since um, electricity was first created. Um, <laughs> um, for, in my view, um, compliance and regulatory change should be a positive for the industry because it can be something that really differentiates one company from another. For example, I was talking to a lender two weeks ago, and he said the same thing, Alice. He's like, you know, this is horrible. We're, we're uh, taxed, overtaxed, actually, with these new rules, and they don't seem to be stopping. But my company decided a long time ago that we were going to go into this full bore, and the way we tackle these new rules was going to be a differentiator for our company. And I think if lenders view it that way and technology vendors view it that way, you're going to see continual innovation. And those are the companies that are going to stand out. You know, it's like getting a root canal or going to the dentist. You don't necessarily want to do it, but at the other end, you could be better for it if you go in with a positive attitude. And I think too often lenders don't have that positive attitude and that can be a hindrance. So um, use technology and use compliance as an innovating spark for creativity. 
Oh, that was my well, advice. I love, I love that. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get too far off the off topic, but to me that was kind of where yeah. I, I know a lot of listeners' brains might go. So will the will new technology companies come into this space and innovate going forward? You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of new companies, Alice. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the space, to your point, is becoming very regulated, um, and a lot of times. Uh, new companies will come into a space when it's, you know, the wild, wild west. And we saw that a lot in the mortgage industry, uh, especially during the dot-com uh, days where, you know, every other day, from my perspective as a journalist, I was hearing from another technology company that said they did this and that better than anything else in the world. And, and you don't usually hear that anymore. You hear a lot from existing companies, tried and true companies that have been in the space, that know the space. Um, So from my perspective, I don't hear much from new companies. That doesn't mean they're not out there. It just means that I don't necessarily see it. So we're a technology company. Um, We have wonderful wonderful, um, programs that we offer. We have our income analyzer product. We have our Kaizen product that handles QC software. I mean, it essentially handles the QC process in both a SaaS model and um, for uh, we outsource that pro- um, process. We have other products on the drawing board that are um, we, we want to bring out to the industry. So, you know, what what are what innovations are you seeing from other existing technology companies? Well, I think, you know, for example, I mean, let's talk about, I mean, if we talk about TRID, for example, because that seems to be what everyone's been talking about for at least six months now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you talk, if you see, if you hear, I guess, from the different companies, whether it be lenders or vendors in terms of how they're approaching it, um, I think that, you know, what you can glean from their strategy is, um, is it viewed as a major update or is it just version 5.6.7 of their application that they happen to be working on for a very long time? And from my perspective, those vendors and those lenders that are approaching TRID from a dynamic perspective in terms of embracing, for example, dynamic documentation or changing their process to actually make it better, Uh, actually moving towards a better closing process and not just how do we deal with these new documents. You know, that's the innovation that excites me, and I do see some companies getting there. So from a lender perspective, then, what innovations are you seeing? I think from a lender perspective, it's about getting the word out about what you're doing more effectively. Um, I think Quicken does a really great job. Um, in getting the word out about um, how much they're embracing uh, the borrower and the borrower's perspective. Um, I spoke to another lender about a week ago, and they were actively reaching out to borrowers when it comes to electronic refinances, which is not necessarily something new. Uh, Refinances have been done electronically for a while, but I think lenders are getting better at um, educating the borrower about new products that may have a technology angle that increases customer satisfaction and um, hopefully improves the process. So I think from a lender perspective, um, more so now than in the past, you've got to get the word out. 
about what you're doing because the borrower is not going to be knocking down your door. You've got to go after the borrower more more often than not. So uh, when a lender does something innovative, whether it be an electronic refinance or, you know, whether it be your customer satisfaction levels, the innovative lenders are getting that message out more and more, and hopefully borrowers are listening. Tony, I had a question. This is Joe. Um, yeah, you've talked a lot about what's going on. What's what's in your mind? What's the one thing that should be done that's not being worked on right now? The biggest thing. There probably maybe um, be a lot of things. Great question. I think you know, Joe. I mean, I, I've kind of gotten in trouble um, for this comment or in this question several <laughs> times. Um, in that, I've been one of those people that has been. Um, prognosticating about the coming of the complete electronic mortgage going mainstream for, um, you know, probably <laughs> since 2000 now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I really think that, and there, electronic mortgages are being done, um, but I really thought that, especially with the coming of the TRID deadline, that more lenders and vendors would focus on uh, making a fully automated closing process instead of just automating the new documents and what has to be done to make those documents accurate. So I hope in the future that there will be more done in that area. And the new CFPB pilot, I think, speaks to the need for that. Um, But the CFPB can't be the one that comes out and says this is how you have to do it. They can come out with industry best practices, but if lenders are not ready, willing, and able, um, it's not going to happen, at least on a uh, broad mainstream scale. And I really think more work should be done around that. Yeah. Going back to the, the whole question about how much impact has new regulation had on innovation, that may be part of it, because at some point you just have to say, I can't bite off more than I can chew. It's tough. I mean, it, it's tough for vendors and it's tough for lenders. I mean, these changes are sweeping in some cases. Sometimes they're minor, but I mean, in some cases they can be sweeping. And that takes a lot of time and money. And if you're a vendor, um, you know, that that's resources that you have no choice but to allocate towards mm-hmm. compliance that you might normally allocate in other parts of your business. Um, that doesn't mean it can't be a competitive advantage and you can't innovate. It just means that it's um, all about how you approach it. And I think that those companies that have been able to spin the rules in such a way that they actually advance the process are spending their dollars well. Uh, Those companies that are just, um, I guess, grinning and bearing it because they have to, you know, I think those companies have been considerably stalled. So, uh, Tony, what's going on in the industry or what should be going on in the industry regarding mobile? I think, you know, mobile is increasingly where the borrower is, Joe. And I think, um, I don't know about you, but I mean, I I at least um, text on my phone several times a day. So, I mean, if lenders can be shooting out mobile alerts, if they have a borrower in a queue, I think that would be something that would be really beneficial. And I think a borrower would really like that. Um, and I think using mobile as a way to get more visibility and more interaction with the borrower 
is something that the industry really has to do on a grander scale because um, as volume kind of is what it is, um, lenders have to kind of get to the borrower more. The borrower is not necessarily going to come to you. So mobile is a way to make the process more transparent, increase customer satisfaction, and I think keep keep the borrower more informed so that he or she thinks the lender is on their side. And not enough lenders are using that that, that technology, yeah. in my opinion. So, Tony, how how is progress in lending helping in this regard, or is it, what's it doing to help the industry understand what is going on and what maybe should be going on in a in a on a larger scale? Well, we hope that our stories reflect industry innovation and and serve as a lesson for people reading them. I mean, progress is really about providing <clears throat> best practices about what people are doing, and hopefully the readers are actually saying, hey, that's kind of a cool idea. I should try that. But I think to, to Dave's point earlier in the broadcast, we gave uh, the Lickin' on Lending radio show uh, the Innovation Award, and we have that uh, program going on um, as we speak. What we do there is we try to reward companies who are innovating. We give them awards, we feature them on the cover of our publication, and we tell the industry about what they're doing because we think that the program is a way to reward people who are innovating, but also it's a way to get other people to innovate. And we hope that um, it can be a positive force in the industry that continues for years and years. And, and yeah, we appreciate it uh, that you gave it to the Lickin' yeah. on Lending Show. But what are a couple other uh, things that you have acknowledged with that reward? Um, you know, well, for example, the first year that we did it, which was like I said, five years ago, Joe, we we rewarded um, Mismo three dot three or three dot at that point. And what happened with that was it was the transition from DTD to schema, and it really marked a turning point for the data standards organization. And um, I like to say that we're, we were ahead of the curve because now uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, and even the CFPB have said that when you do these new TRID documents, when you, do the, um, when you did the new appraisal deliveries that happened with UCDP, um, you had to use the new latest MISMO standards. So, you know, that's an example of where I think progress was maybe a little bit early in recognizing the efforts of MISMO, and now the whole industry is on board. And that innovation um, is going throughout the industry right now because they have to uh, embrace it at, finally. And I think that that opens up opportunities for other companies to innovate. Okay, back to you, Dave. All right. Well, you look at what is out there and what keeps people from the, the hindrances, as we were talking about. I mean, would you say the regulation and the burden that's on everyone is really a significant hindrance to what's happening? I think it can be. Um, I think it depends on how you look at it and how you incorporate it into your roadmap, whether you're a lender 
or a vendor. I mean, there are some lenders that prepared um, and some vendors also that prepared well in advance for TRID, for example. Yep. And I think that those companies um, really had time to think about it and are really being very um, introspective about how to improve the process. But on the other hand, Dave, I mean, I hear from lenders, you know, at the technology show, which was yeah. in April. And yes. They were still scrambling. Yes. <laughs> um, and they thought the technology vendors were going to do everything for them. And they didn't have yeah. to do anything. And so they weren't listening like, to Alice, that's for sure. I'm sorry? <laughs> they weren't listening to Alice's warnings on that. But <laughs> we, on the radio here, we've been telling that forever. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it really is amazing. But yeah, it's a good example. When you look, I want to find out, I'm looking at the clock. I can't believe that time just flies when we do this broadcast. It's the fastest hour, I think, of my life. Um, one of the things I want to get into, and several people have said, Dave, this is all interesting, but what is Tony excited about? So if you look over the landscape of things happening or that, you know, people call you and pick up the phone and call you. By the way, folks, I encourage you to do that. If you're thinking about doing something innovative, don't need someone you can talk about it with. And he you can trust that he is going to hold it confidentially. You don't have to worry about him giving up trade secrets or anything like that. But from what you're hearing, you're in the pipeline of this communication. What excites you that we can look forward to coming to pass here in the industry? Um, I think. What really excites me, I mean, there was a company that I had spoken to a while back. They were, they're called um, uh, Roostify. Um, and what really interested me about what they were doing is they were trying to pull different data elements into the origination process um, that would necessarily, um, would, I guess, sew the process together very neatly. So, for example, you know, when you apply for a mortgage, you have to provide your W-2 and um, you have to provide your bank statement. Well, why not just ask the borrower if you can get those things electronically mm -hmm. and then go directly to the source to get that information and pull that into the loan? So I think what companies that are picking up uh, different pain points and incorporating them into the process electronically so the borrower um, doesn't have to do that, I mean, that really excites me. And, and I wish more companies did that on a regular basis because so much of the process that is still paper can be mm -hmm. electronic. And I think a lot of times lenders and technology vendors dump the onus of providing that paper on the borrower which I think also opens us up to unnecessary fraud, too. Right. Um, and, and that really can – technology exists today to get rid of that problem. Yeah, and that it's a great it should, enabler. Of, it should be taken advantage of, viewed as an enabler. Someone just texted me a question. They say, Tony, do you see anyone coming in from the outside, a major entity such as a Google or something like that, taking a, a, a getting involved in their industry? Watch Microsoft try that. It failed miserably. And uh, the complexity of this industry, they found out after they got into it. Do you see any of that happening? Um, well, Google bought more tech, I believe. Um, oh, a while back. that's right. Um, and Mortech is a product and pricing engine. Mm -hmm. um, so Google is actually in the mortgage space. And my guess is that will expand. Um, they, as you know, I mean, they're, they're a 
search engine that has tons of information, so so why not include mortgage information in that? Yeah. Um, so I would expect that they're going to expand that MoreTech offering and and uh, do more in the mortgage space um, in terms of making mortgage information um, available to borrowers and connecting borrowers with lenders. Um, I wouldn't expect them to be a lender or to be a full-fledged technology vendor that offers an LOS per se, um, but they seem to be a lot, um, or they seem to enjoy being that huge repository of data. Well, they are that. Boy, that is the truth. I'm looking at the clock. We're out of time, Tony. It's just uh, so good to have you back on. One, someone else just shot a question. How big is video and explosion that's happening with Vimeo, YouTube, all of that? I mean, that is an explosive area. And do you see more of that coming into play? Real quick, we yes do. or no? More lenders are using it as a way to educate borrowers, and yeah. more vendors are using it as a, a marketing tool. So I think... Um, we actually had a, a meeting with our lender advisory board, and those that were using video uh, said that it was very successful, and those that were not said they're looking into it. Yeah, I think it is a wave of the future, folks. You got to stay tuned up and stay pay attention to that area. That's, that's something we're seeing a lot of. Tony Garitano, so good to have you with us. Our guest has been Tony Garitano, founder of Progress in Lending. You can reach Tony at two zero three five two nine. 3131 or email them tony t-o-n-y at progressandlending.com or check out the website progressandlending.com good to be with you all tony thanks so much for being a part of the broadcast good to have you on man got to get you back on a more regular basis appreciate it. miss those updates that you used to do and we got to get you back for that thank you dave it's good to have you here, friend. Folks, we're going to have uh, Scott Harris as our guest next week. You'll want to pay tuned to that. There, Scott is an experienced innovator. He has a proven track record of a number of previous innovations, and now he's going to be talking about his two latest innovations next week. So be sure to come back. It's good to have you with us. A special thank you goes out to, of course, Joe and Alice, who join me each week on this, and wish uh, Andy Shell a great vacation on his. And I uh, hope you guys are all having a great summer. Tell others about the broadcast and look forward to having you back next week. Thank you so much. This has been Licking on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 